Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, guten Tag. I'm an American, but I grew up in Munich, land of the Oktoberfest, and I started a podcast called The History of Germany Podcast. Now it exists in three languages, English and German, with the help of Judith Strusenberg and Imad, who translates the history of Germany into Arabic. Now, how do you go back and do a podcast on a culture that is thousands of years old? Hold on, I'll tell you. letting on uh it's by anti luod is that i have no idea how to pronounce it a-n-t-t-i-l-u-o-d-e i i write it in the show notes and stuff but <laughs> i'm sorry i love it anywho how do you tackle a culture from so many angles first look at a map look at the languages look where they used to speak german look at proto-germanic and look at the peoples they mixed with celts romans slavs danes and try to paint a huge messy picture the thing is history of germany is by far my biggest show history of alchemy is actually way up there y'all rock for that but then the german version of history of germany is the third biggest show so it's just kind of huge overall so I thought it actually makes sense to just kind of recap a bit, sit back, kind of explain what I was thinking. For instance, when I started the show talking about Neanderthals and Homo Heidelbergensis, the comments were all, less hominids, more Hitler. So like I blocked those guys, but also they may have a point. If I just talk about Nazis, this show would have been so much bigger. But that was just not what I was thinking when I started the project. I grew up in Munich, so I'm pretty sick of Nazis. And in, in retrospect, I it's really interesting to me that Germans listening to me, an American, tell them about their own history in German, about Otto the Great, Saxon dynasties, the Iron Crown of Lombardy, Henry IV walking to Canossa. Why? <laughs> that was really surprising to me. But I think it was a curiosity of how a foreigner saw them. Uh, me doing the German, the version in German definitely totally made the English version better than it would have been otherwise. And some probably just listened in to see if I got it right. Uh, so now I am getting it right more or less with 
help. I got a German co-host, Judith Strusenberg. She's in Regensburg, goes all the goes to all the like German podcast meetups and sends the inside scoop this way. But on my part, I lived in Germany 10 years, not consecutively, but like overall, and another 10 years in Czech Republic. So I lived in Europe for 20 years, which is right next to Germany. But I also went to German schools and have a bachelor degree in German literature, culture, and history. One degree, long title. Anyways, so at one point I wanted to, like, I also wanted to learn about German history myself fill in all the cracks I don't know, but also share a history that goes much further back than World War II. So you know what we're going to do? Judith and I are on like episode 53 or something like that, but I'm just going to sit back right now and kind of talk about why I went for the episodes I did, uh, what it was like to do them, maybe some feedback on on what, you know, stuff I got. Um because I mean, this is my show, and I can do what I want. That's 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 what we're doing right now. Now, for myself, when I was kind of thinking about this, when I wasn't completely overwhelmed with the thought of how am I going to present to you guys, like, so I, I mean, I, I took German history, even like in Germany, as you know, as a German, uh, I sat in you know German history classes in like elementary school, for instance, um, and kind of uh, understood how Germans were taught their own history. And and for me, it was kind of like, I went much further back. I wanted to learn about like, where did the German language come from? In fact, my episode two after the intro, you know introduction was, um, it's called Proto-Germanic. And maybe it's one of my highest downloaded ones because I think many have the same question, like what is, what's the very, the seedlings, what's the very beginning of the Germanic peoples? Um, and well, that turns out to be Scandinavia. Like I think Dan Carlin did a great episode on, we talked about World War One and these kind of like parts of history that just start cultures. Maybe that was with the Mongols. He talked about like Scandinavia's one where like Germans came and then Vikings and, you know, Goths and, you know, all these like separate tribes came from like the Baltic Sea area and Scandinavia. And then like Central Asia is another area that just like generates these cultures and they kind of pour out from there. Uh, in any case, yeah, that's, you know, so Proto-Germanic, the language is one way to kind of look at like who spoke these, you know, who are the people that started to branch off from like, you know, anything else that turned into like Proto-Norse, like Proto-Germanic and Proto-Norse are kind of the same thing. And then Proto-Norse broke off. I mean, I, I just love that stuff. So uh, I really start the whole tale up in Scandinavia. And then... I wanted to, I didn't just want to go chronological and to, to, but also to kind of, at some point, I also wanted to make the point of like, even in the 19th century history, like I ran into a guy studying, uh, he was Costa Rican. So like, you know, Spanish native speaker, and he wanted to learn about Roman history. And he actually, so as an undergrad, he took German because there's so many German sources, even going back to the like the Middle Ages, um, like from the Frankish and Saxon periods, writing about Romans, trying to like figure out what to do because like even the word Kaiser comes from Caesar, and they're just like looking back on the Romans, like okay, we want to call our, we want to be emperors. How do we, you know, empirically govern uh, as close to Romans as possible? The Catholic Church kind of played a role in that and role in that, keeping Latin alive. So that you know, there's like this whole like. 
like the field of history, um, you know, the discovery of Troy, but then also in Germany itself, the first hominids were not, might have been discovered, like the first bone fragments weren't discovered in Germany, but the first time someone recognized a bone as a the Neanderthal or Homo heidelbergensis, like a hominid, that actually happened in Germany. That's why they're called like Neanderthal, is Neander, Neander Valley is basically in Dusseldorf. It goes like the Neander River goes to Dusseldorf, like in the rural like next to Cologne and all that. Um, that's there was like, yeah, that's where the first Neanderthal, like where they put two and two together and was like, this skull is not quite normal. And then Heidelberg is in southwestern Germany in Baden-Württemberg. And uh, then, of course, they, you know, they put two and two together. It's like this skeleton is not Neanderthal and it's not this and it's much, much older. It's like Otto Schuttenzack, the, the person that made that discovery. I kind of wanted to shed a light on him, too, and the, the German field of like archaeology and paleontology and uh, wh- whoever study hominids, you know, all that. And then jump to, OK, but who did live? So those guys weren't speaking German. Neanderthals and Homo heidelbergensis, and no German-speaking person ever met. That's like tens of thousands of years or even hundreds of thousands of years. But I was like, if you're going to find, you know, a, a, a stone tool or art in a cave in what is today Germany, like where's the beginning of civilization, even if Germans had nothing to do with it? Um, I'm not German, so I don't really, it doesn't have to be like specifically like German DNA. I was, I had a much more broad in, broader interest. So then I looked at the earliest modern humans there, uh, the, the, which were also like German discoveries, like the Venus of Hohenfels and the earliest art, earliest, you know, human art in Europe and that kind of thing. And then I jumped straight from there to Etsy. Um, Etsy, the Iceman, uh, he was discovered in like 1990 or something like that, if I recall correctly, right on the uh, Italian-German border or Italian-Austrian border. And he was this guy from the Bronze Age, like, uh, I'm going off of memory here, but like 6,000 years old or something, like really old. And it's just, we learned so much from him. Like he had tattoos, he had, we know what he ate. He was just so well-preserved. He had like, you know, 11 different kinds of wood. He had brass and bronze and different kinds of metal. He had like moss for starting to, just the fact like he had certain funguses for starting fire. We learned that humans knew about these things way before we thought they did. So it was just, it fascinated me as a 10 year old, which is about, I was like eight years old when, when he was discovered. I remember watching a documentary when I was like 10 or 12 and, you know, they were just starting to learn about him really. And it was just fascinating, blew my mind. Episode seven already, I made my first pilgrimage of two to uh, Wittenberg, the famous Martin Luther city. Um, and I want to go talk to Der Budla, uh, a archaeologist and historian named first name is Mirko and he works in the Martin Luther house and uh, he also has does his own podcast he is the the evil genius behind the secret cabinet which I'll, I might talk about next episode I'm not quite sure yet but I might introduce that show I translate his show to English but way before that years before any of that had happened I just met the guy and I interviewed him on the sky disc of Nebra which is a bronze age sort of either calendar or ritual device or there's many, there's many theories of what it is but it was stolen and there's a whole dramatic scene of you know recovering the um, device from looters and black on the black market and there's this like shady meeting in Switzerland in a hotel room and Budler just just knows a bunch like Budler's just a wealth of of knowledge and information so 
I, I was in Berlin for one reason or another and, and we all met Budler and he took us through Wittenberg and gave us a tour. And, um, later, uh, I, you know, I've, I've been back because of Martin Luther and I, I went the, the, on the 500 year anniversary of, but I'll get back to that. So, um, yeah, that was the, you know, marching through the bronze age and these artifacts that they found in Germany. And then I start my mini series on the Celts within the mini series. There was a Halloween special episode where I tell some German based ghost stories or whatever I did. I don't, I don't even remember. I've done so many Halloween episodes, but uh, Celts are just like I knew next to nothing. I think some listeners called me on it. Only when I got to the end was I would I be able to like summarize it. Like the Arabic version of the of my Celtic episodes are ten times better because I just knew much more of what I was talking about. Um, but yeah, just like so today, if there's there's a Southern German and Northern German culture. There's also kind of east and west, but definitely like there's the Weisswurst equator, the Weissbier equator. But, you know, it's not just like food or drink or beer or whatever, but like for thousands of years, there was actually like when the German Germanic speaking peoples first came down, they bumped into Celtic speaking peoples about halfway down. You know, as soon as they started, kind of came down from Denmark and, you know, crossed the Baltic and, you know, set up shop, they, they instantly hit Celts mixed. It wasn't like conquered. It was just like they kind of they mixed together. There was Germans that took Celtic names and vice versa, just like this blending of cultures. And genetically today, um, there's definitely not a black and white thing like Germans wiped out Celtic speaking peoples. Um, there was just a blending of cultures for, for, for hundreds of years and also with Romans. And so I, you know, the next mini series was on Romans, but I was trying to paint the picture of like, Germans aren't just Germans. Germans are not like something that the Nazis would have you believe this pure race of whatever. No, like they, you know, they, they mixed in with Celts and then that's, you know, historically documented and they mixed with Romans on border towns and, you know, uh, Romans took up Celtic art and culture and German art and culture and Germans took, you know, Celtic and Roman art and culture. And so to, to, to paint that full picture, and, you know, I like to look at like the, the old pagan times and what that looked like and what a ritual might look like. So um, I you can tell I like that because I talk about it over and over, like from the Celtic point of view, the Saxon point of view, the Frankish point of view, uh, as you know, what their conversion to Christianity looked like. And, and so all that. So, yeah, it's a, like the Celtic part was a four part miniseries. The Roman thing is like a nine part miniseries or something. I'll, I'll get to that in a sec. But um yeah, so just kind of like who Celts were, you know, what that even means, because there's so many misnomers like Celts in mainland Europe. Like, aren't we talking, you know, you know, are we talking like Irish or Scotch or Gaelic or Welsh or, or are we talking like Asterix and Obelix? That would be the Latin culture, by the way, you know, or insular, you know, so I, I kind of I learned a lot as I went and I was kind of like, so what? You know, like seriously, what was I'm such an Asterix fan. So but like no BS, what did that look like? The you know, Julius Caesar conquering goal and selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 
36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, cross, cross. So then we kind of get into Roman history and let me kind of jump into there. But before I do, I gave some of the like most important, the most important one of two most important episodes I ever gave, and I might repeat that episode here actually as kind of a one that I think everybody should hear. Uh, I might, you know, kind of rehash that on this feed or just let it run again. I'm not sure. Or make it make a video out of it, perhaps, and then put it on this feed. But that's the the history behind the Holocaust and the the history of anti-Semitism in Germany. That was. Um, I remember, like, I mean, I've always been curious. I've been to I've went to Dachau too many times because like, I got have people visit me in Munich and I'd go on a, I, I went on a class trip for instance. And then, um, you know, someone visit me and be like, Oh, let's go see a concentration camp. And I'd be like, Oh, I mean, that's just like, this is kind of a bummer of a day. There's no, I mean, but, but it's, it's such an important history to remember that the Holocaust, Holocaust, just how horrific it was. And, and to just kind of remind yourself, you have to kind of look at it and not, um, you know, block it out completely because it, it did happen. And, and it's important to note that. Um, but also, like, I always like my natural reaction is like, how or why or, you know, and that history of it, like anti-Semitism in Germany actually goes back, you know, to the Middle Ages and changed in, you know, Martin Luther's time and the Reformation that changed in, you know, Romans. And I mean, there was pagan reasons for anti-Semitism. It's just crazy. Like, and, and I remember taking a class in, in university at, at Oregon State and there was a Holocaust survivor that came in and, you know, so that like that whole. So at some point it just kind of came time, came time where I was like, it was eating me up on the inside. And I was like, okay, it's kind of time to like talk about the elephant in the room and at the same time kind of get rid of some of the more rightist uh, like listeners who are like, when are you getting to Hitler? When I was like, okay, well, you know, let me let me talk about something else. And if you want me to talk about Hitler, let me let me talk about Hitler on my terms. And, and I did talk about Hitler in episode 14, uh, History of Anti-Semitism in Germany. And the only episode that like comes close to or it was as hard to research and then record and and um, then, you know, edit and publish and every and talk about in interviews and everything was uh, an episode I did on U.S. slavery, like chattel slavery. And I only did that in German. And maybe I'll translate that and put that on this feed as, as a complete exclusive because um, that's just like... Yeah, it's another message that I think everybody should be, you know, it should be heard. So I should, those kind of, those kind of episodes just, I feel like it's good to rehash those now and then and get them out on all channels and, um, you know, just kind of get those in front of people's eyes and retweet it every once in a while. Uh, that was, you know, February 10th, 2015 is when I published it. That was like a good three years ago, but I definitely have conversations about that episode to this day pretty frequently still like if i have an interview and we talk about history of germany that get that gets brought up um so but but then the right next one was a 
one of my network collaborations. Um, in this case, it was the beer, German beer purity law. So jumping from something really dark to beer, which is one of my more favorite topics. Um, and around then, I also, you know, split up another interview with Budler about Martin Luther. He works in the Martin Luther house, Mirko uh, der Budler, the Budler does. And so we talked about some of the myths and legends behind the, you know, the really the scoop of the historic facts behind the 95 thesis. Um, but then also, yeah, then, you know, talk about beer, the German beer purity law. There's a short and sweet episode. Um, and then get into Romans, like some of the early Germanic peoples that the Romans saw, some of the, um, you know, Caesar building a bridge over the Rhine and just kind of, I tried to imagine what that must be like encountering the Roman Empire in that way, just being overwhelmed by engineers, like just crossing this one kilometer wide river with a temporary wooden bridge and then tearing it back down again. And... I mean, yeah. And then, of course, Teutoburg Forest and German paganism. Uh, I, I rehashed that again. I have, I've had a couple of more guests on the show. Germans living in the Roman Empire was one of the episodes. And then kind of the the migration of Germanic tribes coming down with starting with like Goths and, you know, Visigoths and Ostrogoths and, you know, them their, their reign in Spain. I really went into the Goths. I, I think I found that way more interesting than what was taught to me in school in Germany, for instance. And I a lot of Germans were kind of, you know, impressed by some of those episodes, too. I, I remember they're like the reaction on Twitter was really, really positive just on like, oh, I didn't know that, you know, this Spanish word was actually a like like Ostrogothic or Visigothic word or whatever. And um, there was piracy. They captured Carthage, like Ger Germanic tribes went all the way into northern Africa. That's as far as the migration period. But they, they went and, uh, you know, started plundering as pirates from Carthage. Like it's just like history repeating itself. And but this time speaking a Germanic language. Yeah, moving on, you know, talked about Romans a lot. And then finally, the Franks kind of settling into Gaul and and uh, that kind of leading on to there's a lot of French history mixed in. Like Mer I had to explain a little bit who Merovingians were to explain who like Charles the Hammer was and all that. Carl uh, Mar Martel, and then of course Charlemagne. You know, set up set up that dynasty, that first um, Frankish Empire that then kind of becomes the you know then it's the precursor of like the Germanic, uh, the Holy Roman Empire, that Teutonic Empire. Um, and somewhere in there, I even explain Teutonic, German, Deutsch, Dutch. Uh, you know, what is all? What does that mean? The etymology between all the languages is episode twenty-nine. So, and then we get to like the Franks, and then moving on to like a Saxon miniseries, uh, talking about Saxon paganisms. But then moving on to like Henry the Fowler and the first real like German, like East Frankish to German transition to where we see the first time like there's a sort of German kingdom and uh, the word Teutonic, like Deutsch, is actually being written down and used for the first time. And Otto the Great, of course is one of the big Saxon kings. And I explain about now the the Franks would fight against the Saxons moving east, but then when they conquered the Saxons and turned them all part of the Frankish Empire, the Saxons turned around and started fighting the Slavs to their east. 
and conquering them. And so there are, in fact, Slavic tribes in today's Germany, like the Vens, the Sorbs, there's other Slavs, like uh, even Bohemians were, were ruled by Austrians for hundreds of years and had contact with Germans for since that time, like since the you know 8th century uh, with Greater Moravia and all that. So that's the Slavs on one side. And then around the same time, we also see the Dana Virka, which is also, you know, Harold Bluetooth, the first Danish Christian kings is like 10th, 9th century, 11th century. And the Danish royal family is still to this day related to them. It's making them the oldest uh, royal like house line- lineage is the Danish royal family. And so I interviewed like Soren Krarup from the history of Denmark. And, you know, we talked about like the Dana Virka and this, this German Danish border region. And... Yeah, I mean, okay, moving on. Next episode, next miniseries was the Salians. That's another uh, Frankish dynasty and, um, you know, kind of king by king, emperor by emperor, trying to give a, a, a look of how the, the even the peasants and villages would have changed the mark, the marketplaces and all that kind of stuff now and then. And right around here is when Judith joined the show after a long gap, saved the show, so to speak. And I also, I went to Wittenberg again for the 500th anniversary. I made this big hoopla about it. I recorded all these little exclusives for like the English Renaissance podcast and the Cannonball podcast and like a half dozen shows um, to kind of, you know, share the love of like, I actually made it to Wittenberg on the 500th day and, and Budla who had like a 12 hours day. Like at this point, this is like years later, we're buddies. I'm crashing on his couch and he lives right downtown where there's the medieval market. And it's just the whole town is packed with like Martin Luther fans and Luther. It's just a big day. All of Germany made it a national holiday that day. And, you know, I see, I saw Angela Merkel's like the chancellor of Germany's helicopter fly in and her cavalcade with the German flags. And I mean, it was a big, big deal. And, Budler takes like three hours out of this day. He actually carried the original 95 thesis from the Luther house to the church. Like he followed Martin Luther's footsteps exactly 500 years to the day, like period. And then took him over to the German chancellor and the, you know, them giving the sermons in the church. And I'm like, that's just crazy. But I I slept on that guy's couch. And then he also gave me a three hour private tour. Like just, I let the microphone run. I wasn't allowed to like take pictures or, or film, but that's a crazy episode. Definitely like you know, have a listen because uh, they had 95 objects. It, this was this, this, um, this took years to put together years, this really long planned out exi- exhibit for the 500 years. They had like Edward Snowden's hard drive and an old Macintosh and like things that just symbolize the, you know, the, the, the Luther or the Protestant work ethic. And, you know, some, some connections were kind of a stretch. Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Jr. Like, you know, why is he named after him? Or is that just a coincidence? It's actually just a coincidence. Um, and yeah, so 95, thesis 95 objects i saw so i got taken to like the original one of the original 95 thesis and an early print and a, you know a letter between henry the eighth and the pope or you know letters between martin luther and henry the eighth through a middleman kind of deal uh like arnold of of sweden's sword christina of sweden's sword arnold arnold's like his her dad's like from 30 years war or gustav i mean gustav of sweden's like the the cloak where he died or the coat where he died in and was shot and all this so just yeah i mean that was one one hell of a day just an amazing experience and it was planned for years. I remember, you know, so so years ago when we we're talking about the sky disk of Nebra and 
that kind of thing. Then he's like, oh, yeah, in like three years. Meanwhile, I moved to California from Prague and I'm no longer just like four hours away. I'm, you know, uh, like good 30 hour plane trip away. And I, I went I made it. I went anyways and recorded f- audio the whole time and even some video. I'll put the video together at some point for sure. Um but yeah, so so that was just that was just pretty sweet, and then definitely Udit joined me, and we started doing heirloom episodes. Like the first one was where I grew up in Munich, the Victory Arch of Munich, which you know I remember walking by a lot, and it kind of hitting me um, that it was destroyed in World War II, but rebuilt for reasons, and just the whole thing's an interesting kind of tale. Um, so you know we start. Yeah, and then we, we continue with the Salians and, and talk about this Speyer Cathedral and uh, the Pickelhaube, that spiky Prussian helmet, as a couple more heirlooms episodes. That's about where we are now. Um, we've, re- we've recorded a couple more since then. We did one on castles that's about to come out here very soon, actually. Like, you know, it's probably already out if you're listening. And then uh, we got a couple more in the works, like one on Yiddish and one on the history of science. Like Hilda, there's a German Joanne of Arc that had visions, and um, she's a very interesting person, Hildegard of Bingen. We'll do one on her maybe next. And yeah, so we got tons and tons of stuff planned there, so stay tuned. But um, so far, we're a good 50 something episodes in. It is a bunch of dynasties behind us. It took a long time to get from, you know, the Bronze Age to the medieval period, but now we're the Crusades is coming up next. I have a bunch of reading to get through, uh, for the Crusades episodes. And we'll have Sharon Easton as a guest. So just, you know, stay tuned and we'll have some more info on that here on this feed. But, um, yeah, anyways, I don't, you know, I, I had, I just I don't know if all episodes are for all audiences. Some might be a little slow because some I really just wanted to be thorough. It's just this obsessive thing that if I do the history of Germany, I got to cover it the way I think about it, which is like I got to do nine episodes on the Romans. And not everybody appreciated that. And I appreciate that not everybody appreciated that. But yeah, you know, I think uh, give, give some of the newer li- episodes a listen with Judith and and I think uh, like the Pickelhaube and the the castles and and all that thing should be a little bit for everyone. I'm the 500 year episode was just so much in the works, so I'll I'll definitely do a video soon. Now this is not a video that's yet on the podcasting YouTube channel, but do us a favor, support the show, check out sponsors in the description, visit Podcastnik shop to see our history of Germany designs. We got, we do have some nice, like custom made just for the merchandise sort of uh, designs like the Vandal or the heirlooms, hieroglyphs. Uh, so I've got like hieroglyphs t-shirts or the Vandals t-shirt hat. I don't remember what I made. Um, we'll take requests if you want to see some design and some other thing. Do you want to see History of Germany content on the YouTube channel? I'm kind of li- leaving this up to you anyways, like what you want to see on this feed, what you want to see on the YouTube channel. So let us know. Podcastnik.com, podcastnikshop.com, at podcastnik.com. Danke fürs Zuhören. Ich hab euch ganz doll lieb. Auf Wiedersehen.